Seamus, The Case of the Mason Jars, Part 2, A Friend of Floyd, is based on the book by John MacDonald, A Bullet for Cinderella. The lumberyard had looked prosperous. The retail store was not what I expected. From talks with Floyd, I had expected a big place with five or six clerks on a stock that ranged from appliances and cocktail trays to deep well pumps and pipe wrenches. It was a narrow, dingy store, poorly lighted. There was an air of dust and defeat about it. It was on a side street off the less prosperous-looking end of Delaware Street. A clerk in a soiled shirt came to help me. I said I wanted to see Mr. Vincent. The clerk pointed back toward a small office in the rear where through a glass I could see a man hunched over a desk. He looked up as I walked back to the office. The door was open. I could see the resemblance to Floyd. But Floyd had a look of bouncing vitality, good spirits. This man looked far older than the six-year difference Floyd had told me about. He was a big man, as Floyd had been. The wide, high forehead was the same, and slightly beaked nose and the strong, square jaw. But Leon Vincent looked as though he had been sick for a long time. His color was bad. The stubble on his unshaven jaw was gray. His eyes were vague and troubled. There was a raw smell of whiskey in the small office. Something I can do for you? My name's Hunter James, Mr. Vincent. I was a friend of Floyd's. You were a friend of Floyd's? I was with him when he died. So was Stucky. Sit down, Mr. James. Drink. Here's to Floyd. To Floyd. Stucky left the force alive. You left the force alive. But Floyd didn't make it. Don't seem right. I almost didn't make it. Were you with him when he died? Did he say anything before he died? Stucky couldn't tell me anything. There wasn't much I could do. He was shot up pretty bad. It was a domestic. Floyd had tried to get the kids out of the house, and the woman spotted him shot him all up. But because she was distracted, we were able to get her. Got the kids out safe. I just kept him talking until he died, and they took him away. He talked about a girl he should have married, and you. Don't remember seeing Stucky, but he might have been there. There were a lot of cops there. He should have come back home. He would have known what to do. About what? I guess he told you about how we were doing before he left. He said you had a pretty good business. This store used to be over on Delaware. We moved about six months ago. Sold the lease. Sold my house, too. Still got the yard and this. Rest of it is gone. Business is bad all over, I guess. (laughs) It's pretty good for some people. What business are you in? I'm between jobs right now. Thought I'd take some time to travel around. And I suppose you plan on sticking around LeBrook for a while. I thought of it. Floyd made LeBrook sound like paradise. Did Stucky send for you? I don't know what you mean. I didn't know he was here. But you talked to him. He phoned me and said you'd probably be in for a little chat. You're an old friend of Floyd's. He's been working for me nearly a year. I don't see how I could give you a job. There just isn't enough coming in. I couldn't swing it. I don't want a job, Mr. Vincent. I'm on a trip and just stopped here to visit with the brother of Floyd. He kept smiling. His eyes were funny. I had a feeling he was either very drunk or out of his head. I see. Maybe you want something nice out of the store. We still have some nice things. I could unlock the gun rack for you. Need a nice over and under with gold inlay French walnut stock? On the house. No, thanks. I don't understand, Mr. Vincent. I knew Floyd, and I thought maybe it would be the right thing to do to stop in and chat. Sure, but you went out to the yard first. 
yes, I went out there because I put my car in a garage here and told the man I'd known Floyd when we were on the force together. He said there was another man here who had also been on the force with Floyd, Orrin Stuckey, who was working at the lumber yard for you. So I went out there and saw him. Then I came here. I could have come here first and then gone out there. I don't know why you think you have to give me a job or a gun or anything. He looked at me and then bent over and picked up the bottle again. He put some in both glasses. Okay, so it's just like that. Pay no attention to me. Hardly anybody does anymore, except Stucky. He's a good worker. The yard makes a little money. That's a good thing, isn't it? Yes, I guess it is. It wasn't anything like the conversation I had expected. He was a strange man. He seemed defeated and yet amused, as though amused at his own defeat. Floyd talked a lot about LeBrook. He really loved this place. I guess he did. He lived here most of his life. We would talk from time to time. I feel as though I know LeBrook pretty well. Even though the girls he used to date, Irene Hirsch, Thea Nichols, and Pixie somebody. Sure, Irene Hirsch. And it was Mia, not Thea Nichols. Those were two of them. Nice girls. But the last couple of years before he went away, he stopped running around so much. Stuck closer to the business. Lots of nights he'd work on the books. <laughs> he was getting almost too serious to suit me. Wasn't there one named Pixie? No Pixie I know of. Either of those other two would have made him a good wife. Irene's still around town, still single. Mia got married and moved away, El Paso, I think. Either one of them would have made him a better wife than the one I got stuck with, Lizette. You talk about her? You mentioned her a few times. She's gone. I know. Stucky told me. Lovely little Lizette. Two-faced bitch. While you're around, stop in again any time. We'll have a nice little chat. I'm usually here. Hell, I used to have a lot of other things to do. Zoning board, chamber of commerce, rotary. Always on the run, always busy. Now I have a lot of time. All the time in the world. I was dismissed. I walked back through the narrow store to the street door. The clerk leaned against one of the counters near the front, picking his teeth with a toothpick. It felt good to get back out into the sunlight. The cheap liquor had left a bad taste in my mouth. It was too early to go check on the car. I went to the nearest bar I could find and ordered an ale. It was a dark place, full of brown and violet shadows, with deer antlers on the wall and some dusty mounted fish. Two elderly men played checkers at a corner table. I sipped the ale and thought about Stucky about my own unexpected violent reaction that had been made ludicrous by his superior strength. I had not thought that I cared enough. It was a long time since we had any connection. He had brought it all back. The time with him had not been a pure fiasco, however. I sensed that I had won a very small victory in the talk that had followed the one-sided fight. He was not certain of where I stood, how much I knew. The talk with Leon had canceled that small victory. Leon puzzled me. There was a curious undercurrent in his relationship with Stucky, something I could not understand. I imagine that Stucky had something on Leon. Bartenders are a good source of information. I sensed that the woman behind the bar was watching me, trying to figure out who I was. I signaled for a refill. What do people do for excitement around this town? Stranger in town, are ya? It's pretty quiet. Saturday night, there's things going on here and there. Not much on a weekday. There's some that drive all the way to Reading. There's gambling there, but it's crooked. You passing through? I needed a quick answer and suddenly remembered something that Stucky had said ready-made and reasonably plausible. I'm a writer doing research for a book. Writer, are ya? 
What's there to write about? Historical stuff? No, it's a different kind of book. I was a cop on the force with Floyd Vincent. Floyd was just one of the guys who died in the line of duty. This book is sort of a personal history of those men. You know, the way they lived, what they did, what they would have come back to if they had lived. I'm traveling to their hometowns to talk to people who knew them. Hell, did you know Floyd? My God, that was a shame. There was a good kid. I've been talking to his brother Leon just down the street. Leon has just plain gone to hell the last year or so. He and Floyd had a pretty good setup, too. A couple of good businesses, but then Leon's wife left him. Then he got word Floyd was dead. It took the heart out of him, I guess. He's got about one-tenth the business he used to have, and he won't have that for long if he keeps hitting the bottle. Brent Hirsch's girl's been trying to straighten him out, but she's wasting her time. Irene is a stubborn woman. I tell you, if Floyd had lived and come home now, he'd have a long uphill fight. Leon has been selling stuff off and piddling away the money he gets. Lives in a room at White's Hotel. Gets drunk enough to be picked up every now and then. For a while there, they'd just take him home because he used to be an important man in this town. Now they let him sober up in the can. Red, you talk too damn much. Watch a game. Get some kings. Let smart people talk in peace, you old fart. How do you figure on writing up Floyd? Oh, just the way he lived, where he was born. Interview his school teachers, talk to the girls he dated. She glanced at the checker players, then hunched herself over the bar and spoke in a tone so low they couldn't hear her. Now, I wouldn't stand back of this, and it isn't anything you could put in your book, but I heard it from a pretty good source that before Floyd took off, he and that Lizette were a little better than just plain friends. Know what I mean? Bumping ugly behind Leon's back. She was a good-looking piece, and you can hardly blame the kid if she was right there asking for it. She was no good anyway. She took off of the salesman, and nobody seen or heard from her since. Of course, Leon wouldn't know anything about it. Like they say, he'd be the last to know. Are there any other relatives in town besides Leon? Not a one. Their daddy died six or seven years ago. Leon got married right after that. Then the three of them, Leon, Floyd, and Lisette, stayed right in the old Vincent place. Leon sold that this year. man named Sila brought it. He chopped it up into apartments, I hear. I talked with her for another half hour, but she didn't have very much to add. She asked me to stop around again. I liked the atmosphere of the bar, but I didn't like her. She was a little too eager to prove she knew everything, particularly the unsavory details. When I got back to the garage a little after three, my car was ready. Yep, I put it on the computer and it was an easy fix. Uh, I'm just resetting a couple of things here, and uh, yeah, then you're good to go. I like them when they're easy. I paid for the work. It ran smoothly on the way back to the motel south of town. Once I was in my room with the door shut, I reviewed everything that had happened. Though I had told my lie about riding up Floyd on impulse, I couldn't see how it could hurt anything. In fact, it might make things a good deal easier. I decided I'd better get a notebook and start looking the part. There was no reason why Floyd and the others like him shouldn't be written up. I remembered that a magazine had done the same sort of thing with some heroic firefighters. So why not cops? My one abortive attempt at finding Pixie had failed. Using the cover story of writing up Floyd, I should be able to find her. From what Floyd had said, she was a girl who would know of a special hiding place. And the money was there. Unless Lizette had taken it. I was puzzled by Stucky's insistence that she hadn't taken it. 
When I went back into town for dinner, I bought a notebook at a drugstore. At dinner, I filled three pages with notes. I could have filled more. Floyd had talked a lot. There hadn't been much else to do. The next person to talk to? Irene Hirsch. I could see her the next morning. Back in the motel room, I tried to watch some television, but it just didn't hold my attention. I took another look at the photograph Floyd had given me of Irene so I could find her. Tomorrow, I would see her for the first time in the flesh. I had looked at this picture a thousand times in the last few days. Floyd had gurgled out the words as he died. He had wanted me to hear them. That's the one, James. I didn't have enough sense to stay with her. That's the good one, James. Irene Hirsch. I held the picture of Irene Hirsch. She was turned toward the sunshine. It illuminated her face. It was cracked, but none of the cracks touched her face. It was in color, and the colors had faded and changed a bit. It was a picture of a happy girl, and I wondered if she was happy now. I felt a tingle of anticipation. For the first time, I wondered if this pilgrimage to LeBrook was in part to keep a promise I made to a dying man. I wanted the money, but a man needs to do right by his word. If he doesn't, he's a sorry shadow of a man. I put the picture away. It took a long time to get to sleep, but the sleep that came was deep. Thank you for listening to Seamus. If you enjoyed this episode of Seamus, please leave a review and tell your friends. Seamus, The Case of the Mason Jars, Part 2, A Friend of Floyd, is based on the book A Bullet for Cinderella by John MacDonald. Hunter James was played by Tom Hinton. Leon Vincent was played by Gordon Adams. The bartender was played by Sue Green. The old man was played by Tom Hinton. The car mechanic was played by Mike Rowe. Floyd Vincent was played by Nick Yamateo. I'm Leslie Woodrow. This episode of Seamus was written by Max Reese and directed by Tom Hinton. Seamus is a New Meadows Media production. All rights reserved.